It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago. It's 1 a.m. in Copenhagen. And 7 p.m. in New York City. How are you, buddy? I'm Mad Dog the Ship. You're joined as I am each and every week on What's the Buzz Podcast by Amelia, the Bickle Chapman. Tonight, a very special return guest, Country Music Hall of Fame inductee, my best friend, Lacey J. Dalton. <laughs> hey. Hi, you two. How, How are you? Good. How are you? You um, left a memorable impression on me. Yes, I've never been called a lunatic by such a lovely person in my life. But I, I but I'll wager it's not the only time you've ever been called a lunatic. Oh, many times, well. my dear. He can many take times, it. Absolutely. So, uh, we um we get to have you back. I'm thrilled. You don't yes. even know. I Thank really you. am. I'm looking forward tonight. Just something a little different. We're going to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. eh, it's just some question, but we're going to have a conversation. Let okay. me introduce the world, if they don't already know, please. <laughs> this is Lacey J. Dalton. She's my dear friend. Um, Lacey is the recipient of literally every award the music industry has to offer, and a few they don't, including the coveted Grammy Award and the prestigious Josie Award, for which she received the Award of Lifetime Achievement. No small task, by the way. The Josie Award is the world's largest single independent music award program. And that's, uh, that's as I said, it's a feat to pull off. They don't just give those awards to anybody, folks. Her many hits include the classics, Black Coffee, 16th Avenue, Crazy Blue Eyes, Everybody Makes Mistakes, Hard Times, Hillbilly Girl with the Blues. I listened to that the other day. I had to have a handkerchief because I was crying. <laughs> and that is, I want to tell you something. I just want to tell you straight up. That is the sexiest damn version of Tennessee Waltz I ever heard. Thank I was you. starting, I'm telling you what, I was starting to fall in love with you in that song, lady. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that was a, that song was a, a kind of a miracle. I had a band leader who was Glenn Campbell's band leader mm -hmm. named Billy Graham, and he was from Texas. And I said, Billy, you know, I said, my mother, while I was growing up, only had one record. It was a Tennessee Waltz. And um, it was Patty Page singing the Tennessee Waltz. And I said, I'd like to do the Tennessee Waltz, but is there any way you could, can we stretch it out so I can have longer notes to sing? And he came up with that. It's sort of a, rather than a three, four, it kind of became a six, eight kind of a thing. Yes, and it gave me lots of room to stretch out vocally. And, um, and some people loved it. And I'll never forget walking past a jewelry store somewhere. Uh, I might have even been New York. And I'm walking and I'm hearing my version of um, uh, Tennessee Waltz. And this woman said, well, she said, I bet Patty Page would just like to slap her face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll tell you, I love that. Very, you know, look, and Patty Page had a hell of a voice. Mm -hmm. And she was oh, a beautiful woman. And said, She's like you, Lacey. She could sing pretty much anything. Because I have, I'm going to talk about the, the, the wild side of Lacey J. I saw a couple of videos that I was like, oh, <laughs> she got a little, little wild hair going. All right, this is good. I like that. Um, what made you think that, Mad Dog? I mean, you know that I am how I am. Well, we've done, well, we've done an interview with people. Music video for Wild Turkey. Oh, is this, is this the one with Merle Haggard? Yes, ma'am. 
Yes, ma'am. I have yep. so much fun with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could imagine he might have been a trip to be around. Oh, he's a, he's wonderful in concert. I've seen him in concert before. Merle? Awesome, yes. Yeah, he's no longer with us, I don't think. The yeah. long time. No, no. He, well, uh, he passed. Yeah, he's been gone a long time now. Yeah. You know, he was an amazing person. Merle Haggard was one of those people who, when you looked in his eyes, you knew that he knew who he was. He yeah. knows. Like Willie Nelson. When you look in Willie Nelson's eyes, Willie Nelson knows who he is. He mm-hmm. knows himself really well. And because he yeah. knows himself really well, he, he's going to know you really well, too. I had that experience with one person. Unfortunately, he's he's gone to Elvis Presley. I got to meet Elvis, and he was one of those guys that could look through you. But he knew who he was. He knew his legacy. And I think we're going to talk about that tonight because I'm going to talk about your legacy tonight as well. Billboard magazine named 16th Avenue, a song you'll hear tonight, as one of country's top 100 songs ever. And while we're talking about 16th Avenue, I want to, in in advance, thank my friends at Country Roads TV for the use of a video clip tonight. We will see uh, a remarkable live version of 16th Avenue. And um, let's talk a little bit about this. You told about Willie Nelson. Let's talk about your involvement with Willie. Um, He did an album that you were very involved in. In fact, you were the only female on the project, as I understand. Uh, The Half Nelson album. Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement in that, Lacey? Well, it's a good story. Uh, I have a friend from Texas named Injun Tom. And Injun Tom was uh, probably one of the best friends, if not the best friend, of guys like Towns Van Zandt. And... um, so many really great Texas musicians, and he happened to be really good friends with uh, Willie's sister. And he showed me this song. It was a, a song that was written by a woman named Dee Moeller, who is also a performer and a wonderful singer and a wonderful songwriter. And I just loved the song immediately. I still love the song, totally love this song. It's called Slow Moving Outlaw. And it talks about how, you know, all the all the trains and old stations and a lot of beautiful historical things are kind of being torn down. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, where does a slow moving once quick law, quick draw outlaw got to go? So Willie and I got to sing this, but I never would have if uh, Injun Tom hadn't showed me D. Moeller's song, Slow Moving Outlaw, and said, you need yeah. to sing this. I said, oh. He's, and he showed it to me, and I said, oh. And he said, need to sing it with Willie. And I said, well, I opened shows for Willie, but we don't hang out that much. I never, when I opened shows and shared the stage with a lot of these great outlaws, yeah. which I was proud, I was so happy that I was signed as an outlaw artist because I got to do something that a lot of us girls didn't get to do back then. Some of us did, but very few to open for long periods of time for the likes of Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson and Hank Williams Jr. and and so on. I even got to play the wife of David Allen Coe in a movie called Take This Job and Show It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all. Okay. Yep. You can't get much more out than that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the bottom line is, because I was signed that way, I got to be with the people who brought me back to country music. I was raised in it. And uh, it, you know, I've 
it was the outlaws, Waylon Willie and the boys that actually brought me back to country music. I had strayed. Yeah. I had strayed from the flock. We'll, we'll talk about that tonight, Lacey. <laughs> well, uh, well, but but about Willie and about this song, Injun Tom said you need to do this song with Willie. And I said, well, you know, I don't bother the headliners. I don't ask them for stuff. I, you know, they might have thought I was stuck up. I don't know. But I never. Everybody wants a piece of those people. Everybody yeah. wants their minute. They want to, you know, grasp on and so on. And I just never wanted to do that. I just wanted to do my, it's maybe why I had a, such a long period of time to work with them because I didn't do that, but yeah. I didn't get to be like buddy, buddy. Okay. So I said, well, I, I, Tom, I don't know how to make that happen. You know, I'm, I don't want to walk up to Willie and say, I want you to do this song with me. Everybody wants to do a song with Willie Nelson. Right. And I said, don't worry about it. And he went to Willie's sister, who was very dear to Willie, and she took the song, which had been written 20 years before for Willie, as he was finishing a record. He liked the song so much he gave it to Waylon, and Waylon cut it. But it wasn't a hit. Nobody heard it really much. Yeah. I had never heard it, and I really loved Waylon Jennings. Yeah. But um, Willie's sister went to Willie and presented the idea. And I happened to be in Nashville, and Willie happened to be in Nashville, and um, he agreed, and we cut the song, and I got to be the only woman on that half Nelson record with with such great, great talents, the yeah. Ray Charles and George Jones, Leon Russell and Carlos Santana. Oh, and sure. It was really probably, if I think about it, that was probably the high point of my whole career uh, before I went uh independent before i um interesting you know but it, it really wasn't it still is i had to get a platinum record for it hey first i had a gold record but mm -hmm. later on i was given a platinum record for it and uh and i just found out d didn't have the d moeller didn't have the she had the gold record but yeah. she didn't have the platinum record so um she started inquiring, and now she has a platinum record for it. Too. There you go. We're really pleased, and we really love our friend Injun Tom. He is, uh, he's, uh, he's a very special, very magical yeah. kind of person. I want you to know I'm on my best behavior tonight. <laughs> I'm on my best behavior. I promised, I promised Amelia <laughs> I would behave myself tonight, and I wouldn't warrant the word lunatic again. <laughs> Let me tell you, you, you can control him a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> hmm. I'd like to know how you do that. Amelia and my wife have this pact. I don't know, it's like this <laughs> unwritten pact together. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk to you about you mentioned a couple of guys, uh, Willie Nelson, Will and Jennings. They these guys translate very, very well to live audiences. But Whalen, for some reason, never translated all that well on record. He always sounded better live. He always, I always felt, and I got the chance to see uh, Whalen when he was still around. And it surprised me the level of energy in his show, given the fact that the same record you hear at home sounds like an entirely different guy singing. Um, walk me through the difference between the dynamics between the stage and the studio. How does that affect one's ability? I know it's a loaded question, I know, but you've, you've been around long enough to probably know the answer. 
So I figured I'm like, let's give it a shot. <laughs> well, there is a when when there is a live audience. That's why Austin City Limits was such a great show mm-hmm. because it was a live show. audience. Oh. Well, it was a perfect show, Absolutely. and it had a live audience of people who were really paying attention, really listening to you. When somebody's there, it's a it's not just something you throw out into the world. Performing, when you really are a performer who cares about people, mm-hmm. you want that circle. You want that communication that goes out from you. The audience receives it. They send that energy back to you. You send it back to them, and the energy begins to build that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of times a live performance does have a different energy. Um, I never, I like Waylon's records very much. I didn't have that same experience that you did but if you'd seen him live and then you heard i heard the records first and saw him live after uh because he was down in texas and i was up in santa cruz mountains in california yeah and i was a long way away from texas and santa cruz is about as far from texas as you can get spiritually (laughs) Spiritually, it's a whole different world it sure Uh, hell is yes it sure is (laughs) amelia questions for lacy Yeah, I know what you mean because it's like a whole separate thing. But now that you're uh, an independent artist, would you do you feel better being independent than from being with a record label? Yeah, I'm a lot broker. (laughs) 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 There's much money, but um, you know what? That she's gonna. There is. I'm going to interrupt you for just a moment. Let's talk about. Yeah, no. Let's talk about that dynamic. It. It. What is the difference? financially between the independent slash outlaw artist and you know uh the studio you know label what's the difference well it's a different planet it's an entirely different um astral plane um in the world of the business of music Mm -hmm. music isn't really isn't really a business to me. I never could quite feel like it was just a business. It was the kind of thing that if I didn't get paid very much, I was a folk singer for 20 years before I ever got my record deal. At well, maybe not 20, but at least 17 or so. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was considered very old when I got my record deal. I was 33. They thought I was ancient. Going to you know, I wish they could see me now. You know, we we don't musicians don't get old. They, they really don't. A good musician, yeah. uh, a, a creative person of any kind, yeah. um, their spirit is uh, just doesn't do that. I'm getting old. I can't walk thing. Yeah, you know, sure. It happens, but but you are your head's in a different place. You're always creating. You're wanting to build things. You're wanting to make things. You're not worrying so much about it, the, body, the deterioration of the body. Although uh, the older you get, it does get your attention more than it did when you were younger. Uh, but, I'll vouch for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia's not there yet. She, no. You have years to go. She's just a baby. Go before you deteriorate, Amelia. But, um, well, when you started, um, when were Let's go back. I'm going to go. I, did, I didn't explain that very well. You no, I, actually, you, you explained it beautifully, to be honest with you. I understood every word of it. So you did something right. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about 
the beginnings. You you come from, by all accounts, uh, humble beginnings. Um, where was Lacey J. Dalton born? Where where did that come from? We know I, that you know you're not Lacey. I was never born. You know I'm part alien, so I was hatched. I'm with you on that one, baby. <laughs> I was hatched in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. There you go. <laughs> to okay. a very normal, you know, normal people, you know, good people. Um, my mother was um, the daughter of farming people, and she was uh, very bright. She was the valedictorian of her high school, and she was very athletic. She had a, by the time she was 18 years old, she had a Harley. And my father was uh, the same thing. My father was uh, an athlete. He was on his way to the Olympics, actually, as a uh, um, gymnast. And he broke his ankle on, oh. on and before he could go. So he went into the uh, army and uh, yeah. was shot down in an airplane over Austria and ended up in a German prison camp for a year and a half Jeez. and came back home to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and I was born in 1946, so I was that baby that happened when mom and dad had missed each other a whole lot. Where did Lacey J. Dalton come from? Well, she was born because Billy Sherrill wanted me to be an outlaw artist because he said, you're an outlaw. You're, you're not, Absolutely. You, you know, you are not the normal girl singer here. Right. And you can't have a name. By that time, I had... My name, my birth name is Jill Lynn Byram. Yeah. And um, I had married John Croston. So my name was Jill Lynn Croston. And I was widowed uh, pretty young. I think I was 27 or something. Mm -hmm. And I had a little boy with John Croston. And his name is Adam. And um, then I married um, uh, my someone who worked with me named Aaron Anderson. So my name was Jill Lynn Anderson. Okay. So you can see why that might have been a problem and sure didn't sound like an outlaw at all. Oh, he sure. go home and I wanted to kill him really. He said, I loved Billy Sherrill. He, he mm -hmm. was the best thing that ever happened in my life, but he, um, he, and he was wonderful to me, but he said, I want you to go home and I want you to come back with an outlaw name. And I, we fought for like three weeks. I didn't want to change. Wow. Like, what is wrong with Jill Anderson? What's wrong with Jill Croston? What's wrong with that now? Well, right. nobody is ever going to remember that. And it doesn't sound out. Well, no, you change your name. And I, after three weeks of being in the hotel down there, talking to Billy through my manager or through someone else, not directly mm -hmm. because I didn't want to speak to him. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to speak to my manager either. Um, <laughs> this thing going on. I realized, I thought, you know, I bet you Billy Sherrill has probably written and sold more records than I ever thought of. Yeah. So maybe I better wise up and maybe I better just relax. But it was a scary thing because I thought, well, first they're going to, you know, change my name. Then I'm going to have to boob, have a boob job. And then I'm going to have ble have bleach blonde hair. And then pretty soon I'm going to look and sound and be like everybody else here. And I'm not. Mm -hmm. so, well, the boobs and the hair are fine, so don't worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, hair is not my, hair is not my strong suit. But, um, and boobs, forget about boobs. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> 
we pretend we have them. Right. We wear low cut things to paint. Mm -hmm. them. They're actually painted on. <laughs> I love anyway, anyway uh, I, I thought, okay, fine, fine. My first guitar player's first ex wife's name was Lacey B. Walker. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be Lacey B. Walker. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great name. And uh, so I took it in, proudly took it into Billy Sherrill, and I said, all right, I got it. You win. I'm going to be Lacey B. Walker. And he said, no, you're not. He had kind of amazing. <laughs> no, there are too many walkers in the in the music business. Go go back and find another last name. I like the Lacey. So uh, my manager at the time uh, insisted on me putting the J in for Jill, and I'm kind of glad he did mm -hmm. uh, because then I could still be Jill to everybody who'd known me for 36 years as Jill. Absolutely, of course. Okay. And so, um, and a lot of people still call me Jill, uh, and I, I really come to just about anything you call me, particularly if there's food involved. You know, if uh, dinner's ready, you can call me, hey, you. <laughs> sure. I'm there. I hear but you, man. Anyway, uh, I had a friend in Los Angeles when I went down there um, briefly to, well, it wasn't briefly, I was actually there for a few years, and um I stayed there because my first husband had broken his neck down there in, mm -hmm. in Laurel Canyon in a swimming pool accident. And um, I had to stay down there for a while near the Rancho Los Amigos, which is uh, in the uh, Long Beach Veterans Hospital, which uh, were spinal cord uh, experts. Uh, he was very badly injured. He could not move. He moved his arms just a little bit, but nothing else you know, just his head. And he was in constant, very, very severe pain. It was really off. He only lived about three years after that. And he was in such horrible pain a lot of the time. It was awful. Yeah. And um, uh, I don't know where I was headed with this. Oh, I, I had been before, while I was living uh, in Los Angeles, I had met my manager in Santa Cruz, California. And he was my husband. That was the husband who broke his neck. And um, we had a house right off, right on Sunset Strip, right behind, right across, catty cornered from Gazari's, which was a big place that everybody wanted to play. And um, there was a record store right in front of it. And um, I needed roommates because I couldn't afford the, room, the rent myself. And a woman moved in by the name of Karen Dalton, who was a New York folk singer and really quite, quite a wonderful singer and they're doing a lot of documentaries and people are very interested in her music she mm -hmm. didn't sound like anybody except billy holiday she was uh she had this dry sort of cornmeal wonderful voice and incredible mm -hmm. phrase she was an, and she actually uh had helped bob dylan learn how to play guitar and he she mentions uh, he mentions her in, in his book so she's she's getting but i took her name to honor her because I learned a lot. Beautiful. A lot. Yes. That is well, absolutely Dalton. Uh -huh. I thought maybe it was something more, you know, benign, like uh, you know, the Dalton Gang, or. <laughs> well, that's why you. That's why the Dalton worked because of the Dalton Gang, and you have no yeah, idea how many sure. Daltons have called me and said, "You know, I know your dad. Your dad and I were like this." Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's gonna come as a surprise in my dad. <laughs> 
Lacey, was- tell me about um, you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Stephen Plim. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, you um, were involved in a television pilot, I guess, about five years ago in Reno, Reno, Nevada. Right. Stephen, I think Stephen was involved in that. He is, well, he's right here. Actually, Stephen Tim oh. is here. Well, I met Lacey well, five years ago in Reno, Nevada. We were doing a pilot TV show about our hero U.S. veteran. She's beautiful, pure, and class. Oh, and well, right back at you. <laughs> Stephen, thank you. That's, a, that's very nice. We were actually doing a thing uh, we were talking about. I have, um, for many years, uh, I was the co-founder of a, a, a foundation charitable foundation uh, mm-hmm. to protect and preserve our wild horses. And that's been since about 2003. Yeah. And um, we have just in the last maybe 15 years realized that these, that equids horses, all horses, but more especially horses that were not domesticated, non-domestic yeah. horses have a certain, the Indians used to say that the, the horses take our burdens. And I thought that meant that it carried their teepees and their pots and pans and blankets and from one place yeah. to another. That is not what it meant. They don't mean that when they say that. Yeah. What they mean is that a horse, and I've heard this said by all the cowboys, the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. And what that means is there's something that happens between uh, horses, and it happens yeah. with other animals too, but with horses, mm. they actually have an ability with pe- people uh, – with PTSD, with post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress syndrome, yes, they ma'am. actually have a way of absorbing. We don't understand it. It's mm-hmm. like magic, and and it is. You can see it happen, and it is. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. How much pain and suffering those horses they once they kind of connect with a with a, a soldier or yeah. policeman or, or or woman who's had PTSD, and they kind of form a bond something happens they sort of absorb emotion yeah uh, the traumatic traumatic emotion yeah and then they go over like they're shaking off water and shake it they shake mm-hmm. they don't carry it but they it's a remarkable it. thing i know what you're talking about ashley let me um i want to do something here and this is important to me it's very important to me because i've seen a lot of horses killed in front of me my father, for many, many years before he bought a, a, a chain of restaurants, he's deceased now. But my father was in the racetrack business, and I saw a lot of horses die on the, on the track. Um, let me read this. Uh, this is a, a quote from Lacey J. Dalton. The new year will find me attempting to view the restoration of horse slaughter for human consumption in some sort of light that will keep me, <laughs> will keep my head from exploding. Our wonderful vet here said, quote, at least they won't be going to Mexico as much where slaughter methods are unspeakable, unquote. I was moved to write a song uh, which we'll soon share with you on YouTube. But for now, here is an opening line, quote, Ode to Slaughterhouse Sue and the Butchering Crew. Can you tell me about this? I, I know you began to, uh, to talk about this. I, I want to expand on this. It's important to me as well. Well, it's funny that you should bring this up because it's being brought up again right now. Uh, there was a woman uh, uh, who was in uh, she was um, in the Republican House of Representatives, I believe, 
I want to say in Wyoming or Montana, I can't remember, but she had a, this wonderful brainstorm to allow slaughter which uh, of horses for meat on Indian reservations. And to me, that was absolute anathema. The old people, so some of the young uh, Indian people don't have a problem with it. But culturally and historically, in yeah. many, many, many tribes, not all, but many, many, many American Indian tribes, the horse is considered sacred, and we should consider it sacred. We've Absolutely. built our civilization on their bones. We owe them something. We owe them, you know, a decent. Um, if if there are too many, and there really are, there uh, it's there. I don't think there are too many for the world to handle, but there are too many. Uh, for the competing interests um, to get comfortable with. We just can't seem to make sense out yeah. of how many horses. I'm, I'm a very big proponent. I wasn't at first because I didn't want to take birth control myself, but I was smart enough to do it. Well, that we have a, we have birth control methods that can be used. The government probably wouldn't do it properly, we know, which is why I'm not really thrilled about the government doing it because they would probably yeah. give those animals one of the drugs is called pzp and they can, you can yeah. give it for about six years and then you can reverse it you can allow that animal to have a baby sure and it can have a healthy baby if you go on longer than that and just simply sterilize them you simply you know do what the government has always said it doesn't want to do but is always trying to eliminate them all yeah if we don't want to ever have them for our children and our children's children we have got to be sensible enough to find a way my co-founder of let them run carolyn cardinelli told me something in the very beginning that makes so much sense to me and i've tried and tried to make it happen she said you know the only way we can really save a huge number of these horses is to have uh sanctuaries all you know very very generous ones with many many thousands of acres mm -hmm. um you know at least several thousand acres and um you know allow the public to interact with these animals in a, in a non-invasive way see them photograph them ride out and look at them you know not invasively not disturb them but have places and there could be different themes there could be different uh you know uh, themes for these uh, wonderful sanctuaries yeah. where people go and see wild horses there's something about a wild horse that will stir almost every person you know if they're not uh somebody who wants uh, is competing you know sure. they're or competing uh for the grass or or the the land needs to be mined and horses are in the way or uh, they need to build some kind of something that's mm -hmm. going to keep the horses away from the water. Most human beings, 80% of the people in the United States want to save the wild. They want to preserve and protect the wild horses. And they made yeah. that perfectly clear in 1971. There were more letters to Congress in 1971 to protect and preserve the wild horses than there have ever been except for the Vietnam War. It begs the question, however, uh, especially now, why are not more people aware of this? People don't know what to do. People love the horses. Pe people don't know what to do. And the government is, they placate. They'll do 
things like, oh, we're going to try some birth control over here. Or we're going to put these yeah. horses on a really nice holding area and pay some guy a lot of money to keep them on some land. First of all, Lacey J, when it comes to the government, don't count on the government to do oh. anything right because they don't. They, they know how to procrastinate and spend money. That's all they do really well. They, they waste time and they waste money. However, I got to say, you know, I was never going to take my Social Security check. I was never going to take that. I was going to leave it in the pot for other people. I am so glad for Social Security. They do do that right. There are Absolutely. things our government does right, and it can do things right. But we have to have leaders that are more interested in the good of the people than they are in their in their powerful positions and their money and their influence. Yeah. You know, people need to grow some backbones. They need to care about their constituents. I don't see that anywhere. I see that. I yeah. don't see that much at all. And even the ones who do care been that the minute they get to Washington, they, something happens and and it it's becomes true. more important to be that for them to be important than it does for them to be doing the will of their constituents and their constituents are don't really know how to react to that we yeah we aren't really trained and we were so busy most people are so busy just trying to keep food on the table and sure. trying to keep their lives in order you know they don't look deeply into politics and if they do they may be getting their uh, information from a very polluted source absolutely. that is, is absolutely not trustworthy and most of them aren't and uh, you know where do you get the truth well not from the people who say they're giving you the truth because okay. a lot of times people words are wind words are mm -hmm. wind i'm uh, about to write a song called if you can't walk your talk don't talk to me yeah exactly. if you can't walk your talk don't walk with me I don't have time for that. I really don't. I don't think any of us do. It's time for us to learn how. It's time for us to learn how to be true to ourselves and to other people, and you know, tell people the truth even when it's hard. You know, yeah. it's not easy to tell people the truth. It's not as easy to say, but you can be kind about it. You know, you yeah, can be kind. Absolutely. About it. I think my father used to say it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Lacey J, I'm up against the hard that? That's your yeah. mama? Yo, my mama? Fa my father used to say that it's nice to be important, wow. but it's more important to be nice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he's a guy who should know. Um, mm -hmm. I am up against the heartbreak, Lacey J. Dalton. We will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Jess wanted to start a business when something surprising happened. Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting, like a lot. And her friends noticed. Jess, you need to sell those. So, she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got a ding! And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life and become your own boss, build it on Shopify. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. 
themanscape.com lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WRESTLINGFUTURE for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and wrestling with the future, going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0, your balls will thank you. And so will we. Game? Saka punta to the moon Road trip Vroom vroom Skr skr Zoom zoom No time gotta rub I can help Best now let me get ahead of myself With your bow mama tell me you don't wanna get show Why so still to get the lot of wind sound Why still with me I'm bothered Back with What's the Buzz, America's Best Popcast. I'm Magdal DeCipio, joined as I am each and every week by Amelia the Pitbull Chapman. Tonight, conversation with Lacey J. Dalton. We are back talking about wild horses. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it's been a, a sore subject with me for a long time. I was, um, I, I think even at, at my age of 65, I still think I'm traumatized. Um, from being eight, nine years old at the racetrack with my father, uh, because he worked there. Um, thankfully he got out, but I, I really believe I'm still traumatized from seeing horses getting shot on a racetrack. Yeah. Apparently see if you're for people who don't understand what I'm talking about, a horse is no good to an owner, uh, or anyone else. If it breaks its leg or it's Achilles heel, it can't run anymore. So what they do is they kill them. They kill them in front of everyone on the track, and they they put a noose around their neck and drag them off the track. And it sounds gruesome, but that's what they do. Do they um, still do that? They still do that. Absolutely. Talk about bad for business. It's it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. Yeah, they still do it, and people um, still put um, up with it. I know that. They, I, in my opinion, racing horses at two years old is far too young. They're oh not, God, developed. Yeah. they're not developed by that time. I really think that that should be stopped. But well, the problem is they don't want to feed them till they're three. They don't want to feed them till they're four. It's about money. And you know what? Sure it is. Human need, people, you know, we need to get over the fact we cannot take a thing with us. We can have it okay while we're here if we have money, but we get to, I can't imagine being like this hideously wealthy person who spent mm -hmm. his whole life grubbing and grabbing for money, and you're on your deathbed and you go, oh, crap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, crap. Mm -hmm. You know, I did all that and, you know, I can't take it with me. Well, yeah. hello. Exactly. It's not about, it really is, money is really great. And I've been rich and I've been poor and rich is better. But the bottom line is it is not the end of the world. It's not what makes life 
alive. It's and and cruelty to animals. I have a I have a feeling that, and I know a lot of people. My grandmother did not like dogs. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was the most loving person in the whole world, but she didn't like dogs. I think dogs are the best people on earth. Mm-hmm. Quite absolutely. frankly, absolutely. I mean, absolutely do. You're never get an argument here. Yeah, <laughs> I live on the six dog ranch. I only have three now, thank God. But yeah, um, I've had as many as twelve, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I really. I really love animals. I like being around animals. Um, I think I like being close to the earth. I think a lot of people's feet never touch the earth. They never, they walk on concrete and asphalt their entire lives. Yeah. They're not in touch with with the living elemental energies of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get out of touch with that, maybe maybe all we do want to do is make a lot of money and influence yeah. a lot of people and be powerful mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But it seems to me not here, you know. and, and on your deathbed, you know, there you are. Uh, okay. That was nice. There must be more. And there well, I'll that. tell you what, there is more. Um, you're talking to a, a city kid that lived in Tennessee for 15 years and it was a learning experience. It was, it was a very interesting learning curve for sure. <laughs> Um, I learned that. You can't imagine. I, no, honestly, I did. I lived in uh, I lived in uh, Knoxville, Me and too. I lived in a place called Cookville. Okay, okay, we know these places. Yep, uh, I lived and for a short time I lived in a place called Rockwood. Well, I don't know that place. It's if you blink, you passed it. <laughs> did it you enjoy right off the of Thunder you Road? The earth there. It's right off the of Thunder Road in uh, up in the uh, the, uh, the Cumberland Plateau. Wow! Yeah. Um, but I digress. Uh, I I say that to tell you that it was an education in that I learned to appreciate this newfound music, interesting kind of music called country, and a place to go listen to country called the Grand Old Opry. Yes. And I discovered this place called the Grand Old Opry. It wasn't at the Ryman. It was the new place in Donaldson, in Donaldson, Tennessee. Um, you know, the big place. But there's something majestic about standing on the stage at the Ryman Auditorium, which I was fortunate enough to do. They ha- you're familiar with it, right? There was, um, they cut out a circle. It's now at the, at the new place. Mm-hmm. Part of the old stage at the Ryman Auditorium and the names of the people who stood on this particular circle is as a who's who of music. I want to talk to you about your Opry experience, Lacey J. Dalton. Um, what was it like for you? Were you, were you scared, nervous? Was it uh, everything you expected or was it a big fart in church? Well, the last time I played at the Opry and I was asked in the years of that I was in Nashville many times to join the Opry but um, I lived out in California mm-hmm. and you had to play there six times a year and I was so um, such a, uh, a scared kid really um, I didn't want to play with other people's bands I wasn't sure that I would be and I still oddly still uh, now it isn't the same 
The last time I played on the Opry, I think it was the most professional experience I've ever had in my life. That is the most incredible stage crew uh -huh. ever mm -hmm. anywhere. I mean, you if you sound bad on that stage, it's your fault because yeah. the lighting is perfect. The the techs are absolutely they're just absolutely professional and very kind and uh, they make you feel very welcome and very yeah. much at home. And um, I was thrilled to be there because it was the 40th this time. I was thrilled because it was yeah. the 40th anniversary of um, 16th Avenue. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to hear that song tonight. Well, it was great. It was, I mean, it just couldn't have been a nicer experience. Uh, I had played at the Josie Awards. I can't remember because I'm dyslexic whether I played at the Josie Awards first. Uh, okay. So we did the Grand Ole Opry first. And it was really funny because. I walked out on stage and I don't think the people out there had rem any remote idea who I was. And I said, really? that's, that, that's you know, a shocker. It, well, it, it, been really, a long time. it surprises me. That, it'd been that a long time since I'd been there. And um, it, about 40 years. So, and I don't do national television shows very often or anything mm. like that. When you're independent, you know, it's harder to do those things. It, you know, they want the new hot up and coming rock stars. And um, mm -hmm. it's uh, challenging to, to get on those stations, on those programs. Um, yeah. Plus, I still live way out west. And Lacey, do they still have, does the Opry still have that membership system? You have to be a member to play? I don't believe so because um, I, I am not a member. Because that was the that was the rule for a long time. You, you you couldn't play unless you were a member of the Opry. I don't know. Maybe somebody yeah. made me a member at some point, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. But um, uh, the thing is that it was probably one of the best experiences of performance that I've ever had. And then uh, it was even better. We did the Josie Awards, which happened on that same stage, but none of that. Uh, identifying uh, stuff is on the stage at that time. Mm -hmm. Just they just use that. Mm -hmm. There were, and that was incredible because it was a complete surprise to me to get a lifetime achievement award. It came out of nowhere. I didn't even know, you know, that that people knew what I was doing because it's been wow. really very. Uh, you had no heads up. They gave you. They gave you no heads up about it. Really? Well, a very a very short heads up. <laughs> You know, and it was uh, it was like, oh, my. Like, oh, here, you're going to get an award. <laughs> it it, well, no, it wasn't like that. I think we knew. Did we know? We knew a couple months like, ago. Yeah, it, we knew a little bit ahead of time. It to be a surprise. But it was um, completely, it, it just, I was just very, I was very, very touched. Is that, that Leslie with you? Yeah, yeah, Leslie's sitting right here. She Leslie, how you doing, girlfriend? I didn't say that to you in a long time. I'm doing good, thanks. How you doing, Mad Dog? I'm wonderful, baby. I'm, I, I'll tell you what. I had to have Pitbull get a hold of Leslie this time because I just I, just, I couldn't do it. I had so much going on. Yeah, um, he did. Let's talk about outlaw music. It's, um, you know, I spent a lot of my life in professional wrestling, and we had outlaw wrestling, and we had the corporate wrestling, World Wrestling Federation, etc. Um. Of course, in music, you have the studio system, you have the outlaws. What do you think of people like Tanya Tucker and Gretchen Wilson? That kind of like, kind of remind me of you. 
Well, they're you know, kind of like outlaws. They're kind of like outlaws, and they're <laughs> damn good at what they do. I, mean, I love. I even today I still love Tanya Tucker. Everybody loves Tanya. Tucker. <laughs> I know. Right? She's a wild, and crazy girl, and I love her. <laughs> I always, I always thought her like she was my little sister or something. I, mm -hmm. I still just love her. And how about someone like like Gretchen Wilson, who's not really doing much these days, but she was she, for whatever reason, there. It's like country music when it comes to women. I don't know if it's maybe you can shed some light on this for me. If it's still like a boys' club, uh, is it still predominantly male oriented? Why don't we hear the women? Anymore? You know, I'm not sure, but I wasn't aware of that because of the success of people like Taylor Swift. I was not aware of that, but one of the DJs I was talking to not long ago said, Oh, no. No, there are, uh, it's one in 10. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what he told me. And I was so shocked because, um, well, look at the Grammys. The women won everything in the Grammys. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, uh, I think that women, um, I think it still is kind of a boys club in Nashville. Mm -hmm. it's and yeah. well, the world is kind of a boys club if you think about it it really yeah. is we get you know less money for doing the same work and raising yeah unfortunately that's it, true it's a it's yeah. a strange thing i heard this years ago the more things change the more they stay the same mm -hmm. um it's a strange thing but you know what history does repeat itself and on a continual basis let's talk about the grammys i was not impressed um it may, you may as well have called it the Taylor Swift show. I don't like Taylor Swift. She does not impress me. I think she's a spoiled brat. I think she expected everything last night. And, and I'm not a fan at all. Um, what she did last night to Celine Dion was reprehensible. And she should be bitch slapped for it. Pardon my French. What did you think she did? I thought she was disrespectful and ignored a woman that clearly paved the way for her. And she didn't acknowledge her in any way, shape, or form. Snatched the award out of her hand like it was owed to her. And with, with no gratitude to this woman who, as I said, I believe she paved the way for people like Taylor. I don't know Taylor personally, but I did meet her. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought she was one of the most respectful and kind and loving persons I ever met. And I, I'm sure she is that way in person. You know, when you get all full of adrenaline, you're doing a great big show like that. Mm -hmm. You can do some of the dumbest things. You don't mean to do it. I mean, it's going to happen. She's, yeah. very, she's very young. Mm -hmm. And she's had all this success all at once. Yeah. I can't tell you. Uh, I can't tell you what kind of pressure that is. You know, you get, you go up so fast. It happened for me. And, and I yeah. got where I thought I wanted to be. And I thought, oh, this is hideous. Yeah. <laughs> everybody taking a chunk of you and everybody want, mm -hmm. it's like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. I don't have the, uh, I don't have the bandwidth. And I think it's a rare human who really does have the bandwidth. You know who does it well, better than just about anybody, is Dolly. Yeah. yeah. Just does mm -hmm. it 
she is just as real as she can be uh -huh. and she does it up and walking well but my opinion of taylor swift is that she is a very young very loving i mean she does a lot of stuff that people don't hear about like sending millions of dollars of food to people who need it and she does a lot of good stuff my and wife actually told me that last i was surprised yeah, to hear that to be honest i think you should look into some of that because and please forgive yeah. us please forgive she, us performers when we're on stage and we do something incredibly stupid or that mm -hmm. seems cruel and sometimes people mean it but a lot of times they don't right you know we're just like well apparently energy and so much going on sometimes you're yeah you get stunned mm -hmm. you know you don't yeah. human beings aren't meant for that kind of attention it's yeah. hard it's hard yeah. for anybody to have that that kind of i'll, I'll tell you what the, uh, the the news media has been bashing her crazy today um mm -hmm. amelia i'm sure you'll attest to that oh yes questions go ahead Mill. well because of the uh the super bowl thing but i had a question for you back with uh performance when Dolly Parton had her birthday uh, tribute show on the Grand Ole Opry. Ellie King came out very smashed and was effing this, effing that. What would you say to somebody like that? I know the Grand Ole Opry, all they could do is apologize, but would... I say, mean, get the F off the stage. <laughs> they paid $300 You know, having, having done that, been somewhat that way myself... <laughs> All I can say is, you know, uh, substance uh, substances mm -hmm. combined with adrenaline is just not a real good thing, not right. for any of us. And, yeah. you know, eventually most of us grow out of it. You either grow out of it or you probably die. Right. But uh, I, I forgive a lot of behaviors in people who do what I do because we do what we do because we apparently need attention. Right. And then when we get a lot of attention, we don't always know how to manage it. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody to tell you that. You just have to learn. I used to say there are a lot, pardon me, but I'm going to be blue here and you're going to have to edit this. You know, there are a lot of young. We're, we're live, sister. I got news for you. <laughs> well, there are a lot of young assholes on the road, but there aren't very absolutely. many old ones. And if oh, there absolutely. are old ones, they're really that way. <laughs> I, was, I, I went on the road for a year and a half with a rock band, okay? Mm -hmm. Oh. You'll, you'll never see a bigger bunch of assholes than rock stars, okay? They just, they just are what they are. Um, I want to play it's a lot of substance abuse, a lot of times, and Igor Tripper rides again. Yeah, uh, let's so talk about this. Do you... I have compassion for all performers because the road is something that you can only know by well, you know, you did you know that until you got out there? You don't know that what goes on until you're out there and uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, you're immersed in it, and it's like, oh my. God. <laughs> yeah, and I know Stephen Plim. <laughs> Lacey, um, 16th Avenue was named by Billboard magazine as one of country's top 100 songs ever. We're going to hear that song in just a minute, but I want to know the story behind it. Uh, where did it come from? What inspired it? Um, give me the, the skinny on it. Well, let me start by saying I wish that I had written 16th Avenue. Okay. But it was written by my dear friend, Tom Schuyler. Okay. Who not only wrote that song, but lived that song. When I met him and got that song, 
mm-hmm. um, which I thought he was working in my friend Even Stevens' studio called Emerald Studios. He was a carpenter. Okay. And, you know, he was broke. And somehow I thought he gave Even Stevens the song to take to Billy Sherrill because Even Stevens is such a, an incredible songwriter. He can paper his entire house with Billboard uh, Millionaire Play Awards. I mean, he is really a very successful and wonderful songwriter. Sure. And I, I've always thought that um, he took the song to Billy Sherrill, but apparently somebody else did. Because when I talked talk to Evan about it, he said, well, I don't remember that. <laughs> I said, well, I've been telling people for years that you took the song <laughs> to Billy for me. And he said, he said, I don't remember that. He said, I could have done it. We know we forget things as we get older. But uh, somehow Billy Sherrill got the song. And mm-hmm. I walked into his office after he got the song and he said, I want you to hear this song. <laughs> I'm saving it for somebody. <laughs> I said, I said, okay. And I heard 16th Avenue and I said, you better be saving this song for me because this is right for me. Billy told me I was the hardest artist he ever worked with to find songs for. He said, you don't want to sing about divorce. You don't want to, you want to sing about, he said, it's going to be harder for you because you care about what you're singing. Yeah. I've, I've I've tried the other thing, you know, Chris Christopherson said it best uh, in, in, in his song, the heart, you know, it's it's just always better if you're singing from the heart. I I can't knock it because oh, I've heard absolutely. it and it's true. That's We're going to hear this song, and when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about your songwriting. Okay. Uh, let's listen to this song. By the way, I want to thank in advance Country Roads TV, my my friends there for giving us permission to play this clip. This is a veritable who's who of country music artists. Um. This is a clip. You're going to see a lot of familiar faces. Some are with us. Some are not with us any longer. Take a look at this. From the corners of the country, from the cities and the farms, with the years and years of living tucked up, Underneath their arms They walk away from everything Just to see a dream come true So God bless the boys Who make the noise On 16th Avenue With a million dollar spirit And an old flat top guitar They drive to town With all I own hundred dollar car Cause one time someone told him about a friend of a friend they knew who owns you know a studio on 16th Avenue Now some are born to money they never had to say survive And others swing just to stay alive There's cowboys, drunks, and Christians Mostly white and black and blue They've all dialed a phone Collect a home From 16th Avenue 
that one night in some empty room where no curtains ever hung. Like a miracle, some golden words rolled off of someone's tongue. And after years of being nothing, they're all looking right at you. And then for a while you go in style on 16th Avenue. Oh, it looks so uneventful, so quiet and discreet. But a lot of lives were changed down on that little one-way street. They walk away from everything just to see a dream come true. So God bless the boys who made the noise on 16th Avenue. And God bless all the girls who make the noise. Down on 16th Avenue. Sixteenth <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Talking about some legends: Bill Anderson, Mickey Gilly, Little Jimmy Dickens. I uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Little Jimmy Dickens at the Opry. Um, he's only an inch shorter than me, which really pissed me off because I thought he was going to be a little smaller. <laughs> I thought he was going to be just a little smaller than me, but damn. <laughs> Anyway. Isn't he? Isn't isn't he? He is like some saint. He is the nicest person. Is he? Is he still with He's, us? I don't know. This. I don't know. Uh, I think he Amelia. passed away already. Did he pass? Okay. Yeah. I, he was a sweet, sweet guy. He straight to heaven. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. His hat was bigger than he was. But he had this big old hat. Oh. Leslie yeah. says he passed in 2015. Okay. Yeah. okay. Leslie, the world's greatest manager. <laughs> Uh -huh. Oh, was 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 she Leslie is. his manager? Leslie is my yeah. manager. Oh no, okay. <laughs> you know this. You oh. know this. <laughs> yeah, set up straight. Set up straight. The man if, needs a cheeseburger. We had a moment earlier. I thought it meant something to you. Oh, see. If Leslie <laughs> ever feels like taking on a broken old, you know, DJ over here, let me know. I'm I'm available. Um, we are going to have to say goodnight to Lacey J. Dalton. It's that time. i got to have you back sooner than a year because it's been almost a year since we've had you. It was fun. I remember we had Sylvia last time. Yes. Yeah. We, when we, uh, we tried to get a hold of Sylvia, but apparently she's in witness protection. Um, <laughs> stay away from us. <laughs> so... Yeah, Amelia's been trying to get a hold of Sylvia. <laughs> apparently, she's a, a, a address unknown. No, we wanted um, to have you on uh, with your own show. Yeah, I wanted to have you That's on. You, <laughs> you know, I'm really glad we did this. It's really, it's kind of fun. I hadn't seen that video in a long time. Mm -hmm. and, um, I got news for you. It would took some doing to get permission for that sucker, too. Yes, ma'am. Uh -huh. I, I had to get that written. Nice that they did it. I had the oh, I had to get written permission for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, As you started yes. singing, and I remembered all the, the words to reason, it. So it's like, well, you, the, the, it? you, you did. Yeah. Uh, so you started we, singing. Yeah, we had to get permission. 
Mr. We should have Mr. Skyler on sometime. The guy who wrote that song, he wrote I would a love from it. a long line of love. You cannot believe the songs that man has written. And oh, he yeah. is so funny. I'll tell he, you what, if uh, Amelia, what, what, do this, Amelia, when, when we get off the air, or maybe tomorrow, mm -hmm. um, get a hold of Leslie, uh, via, you know, uh, or Lacey J via Leslie, Lacey and, and get a, um, a number of contact, <laughs> contact information for me. Yes, absolutely. That way we can have both of them on together. Absolutely. Oh, God. He, he is, he is, he will just make you laugh. He, he is, he's brilliant brilliant man well i'll tell you what we love you here we really yeah. really do um I and I, I, I said i was yeah. i told i promised amelia i was going to be on my best behavior tonight <laughs> I have to say, hold on a second oh, I did yeah. Good tonight. yeah he <laughs> had to say your commercial too i told him oh no <laughs> and i limited our show to I'm one commercial product, break. okay i am for that product Manscaped.com has been, they have been my sponsor for almost seven mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. I wrote, produced, uh, and uh, performed and directed that commercial for them. And they are using that in a lot of markets. I don't take any money from our sponsors. We do this show. Amelia and I haven't had a paycheck in, since we started. Mm -mm. And I'm going to tell you why. Two years. I'm going to tell you why. My sponsors do more for me in advertising than they could ever do paying me. Money is fleeting. You can't buy the kind of publicity that my sponsors give us. Well, we wow. are about to hit 12 million subscribers worldwide. Come on. I'm yes. for real. That's you a real no. Mm -hmm. wow. It's right now we are at 11.6 and a half million, 11,630,000 right now. And change. We should break uh, our songs with you. This could be just, just on <laughs> just right? on Spotify and Podbean alone. We're wow. we're at, at like eight and a half, almost nine million, just just on Spotify and Podbean. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And I'm in three thousand markets worldwide. We are huge in New Zealand, and we are actually we're. We were number one in New Zealand for how long, Amelia? Oh gosh, at least a year, almost. At right? least a, a year. She's not even. She's not even kidding. Mm -hmm. I want to go so badly to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. It is the one place that I would like to visit before I cack. I love is... to go because I'm like Elvis over there. <laughs> <laughs> we should go all together and do a show. I'm telling there you, you go. <laughs> absolutely. Amelia's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had no idea you were independently wealthy. I know, right? <laughs> he pays yeah, me that much. Does your husband know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Listen, Lacey J. Dalton, uh, you are a welcome, welcome guest here anytime. We love you here for sure. Yes. Um, gotta have you back. I want to tell everybody tomorrow night, writer, producer, director, actor, Mark Sodkin, the guy that gave us Laverne and Shirley. The Golden Palace, The Golden Girls, Charles in Charge, um, Designing mm -hmm. Women, uh, you name it. He, the, his credits are endless. They just keep rolling. Mm -hmm. Mark Sotkin is one of our favorite guests. He is making his record appearance in Million Mar Night. Yes. Appearance number seven. Seven. <laughs> number Congratulations. Seven. Congratulations. He is our seventh a seven-time return guest. We've never had anybody. Do we had somebody here six times. Mm -hmm. Mark just beat them. 
So, yes. uh, what, Amelia, what else we got coming up? In the and next then Wednesday show? night, is a wrestling show. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. We will yes. have the the death of Chris Benoit. Was it a murder-suicide or was it a mob hit? We will talk to a professional wrestler that will give us some inside info. Stuff you've never heard before. It may actually reopen the Chris Benoit case. And coming up in the next, oh, let's see, February 12th, 13th, we've had actor-director Todd Lautenberg. He'll be here with his producer wife, Jolana Opava, talking about their brand-new film called Fluff. Yes. And I'm curious to see what Fluff is about. Mm-hmm. And it better not be bad. (laughs) (laughs) But on behalf of Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman, on behalf of Lacey J. Dalton, on behalf of my main squeeze, Leslie, (laughs) I'm Mad Dog (laughs) DeCipio. Saying goodnight. God bless. We'll see you on tomorrow night. Take care, folks. (laughs) Good night. Night, you crazy. (laughs) 